time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. But Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Hello everybody and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Spoon! Spoon. There you go, Cartoon Spoon! This is a show where we wake up at the Saturday morning sun, pop down the living room for the big bowl of sugary cereal, and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And this morning, we watched The Tick. If you hadn't guessed already. Dub dwee, dub 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 dwee What is that? That's pretty much the theme song. Oh, <laughs> it's like, what are, you, what are you doing? Are you like Scatman Carruthers all of a sudden? <laughs> it, it was like a mixture of big band and scat. Like, yeah, that's what the theme true. song was, yeah. And this was chosen by Kelsey... And also chosen by somebody else named Mark via email. So we had two submitting the same cartoon, which is awesome. This is the first time that's happened for us. Yeah, thanks, guys. The Tick aired from 1994-1996, created by Ben Edlund originally when he made the independent comic, produced by Sunbow Entertainment, Graz Entertainment, and Fox Children's Productions. It ran for three seasons, 36 episodes, on the Fox Kids Network in the U.S. and uh, both TCC and Fox Kids in the U.K., And for a short synopsis, an invulnerable, somewhat dim superhero protects a city from all manners of evildoers. I think somewhat dim is kind of, um, I don't know. An understatement? (laughs) Definitely an understatement. Yeah. It's very dim. He's on a different channel altogether. A different wavelength. I agree completely with that. So Chris, who are some of the actors who played in this show? Okay, so The Tick was voiced by Townsend Coleman who you might know as Michelangelo from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We have almost like the whole Ninja Turtle group in this cast, which is a lot of fun. Just wait for it. We have Arthur in season one was voiced by Mickey Dolenz, who is actually one of the singers from the Monkees. Yeah. That band. That band that wasn't the Beatles that you might remember. Uh, (laughs) We also had Arthur from season two and season three voiced by Rob Paulson, who... Comes up in our show all the time. He was the voice of Raphael and Donatello from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. He was also the voice of Yakko Warner and Pinky from Pinky and the Brain. So he's had lots of iconic roles, including Arthur. Oh, yeah. Then we had American Maid, voiced by Kate Linz, who mostly did film, but she did voice in a cartoon that we have to check out based on the name. And it is called Wild West Cowboys of Moo Mesa. But but the cow is like C.O.W. So it stands for something. But there are yeah. still cows. I know that because I remember this show. Of Moo Mesa. Yeah, like they're cow cowboys. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, that's why it's I Moo Mesa. I did not Mesa. know that much. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we got we definitely got to do this. Oh, yeah. Because that's ridiculous. <laughs> Deflator Mouse was voiced by Cam Clark who was also in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. He was the voice of Bebop and Rocksteady. Oh, cool. He, he also voiced Kaneda in Akira. Sweet. And he's the voice of Liquid Snake. Oh, dang. Yeah, dude. He's got a lot of cool stuff. And then, last but not least, Sewer Urchin, who was voiced by Jess Harnell. And he actually voiced Wacko Warner in Animaniacs. And he's the voice of Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, that's awesome. Like you could hear, even though it's like a slight difference, you can hear the Rob Paulson in the season two Arthur. Oh yeah, definitely. 
He also voiced um, the terror in one of the episodes that we watched, and I picked oh. up that it was him like immediately. Yep. But it's like him doing an old man voice, which is really funny because I'd never heard him do one of those before, and I liked it a lot. <laughs> I like your old man voice. What about marshmallows? <laughs> that's that's my old. That's man That's your voice. old man voice. I don't yeah, know. It, it was kind of like I was kind of channeling my Deckard Kane from Diablo right there. <laughs> oh yeah, which stay a while and listen <laughs> to marshmallows. As I people need to go back and listen to <laughs> the Diablo voiceover thing, but not kids. Oh, man. Keep the kids yes. away from it. Please. Yeah, no, yeah, no please. kids. So here's a few tasty marshmallows out of our big bowl of Tick cereal, which sounds disgusting. That does sound gross. Yeah. So the Tick was created independently by Ben Edlund, which I mentioned earlier. While he was still in college, he was approached by Kisscom, a New Jersey-based toy licensing and design company, in order to merchandise the Tick. It didn't take off like Ninja Turtles. It still did gain a big cult following due to its absurdist humor and styling. So yeah, so it was on a. It was intended to be basically the next big thing, and it didn't quite get there. But right. still, it's it's great and held in very high regard to fans. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mm-hmm. had no idea. The Tick produced action figures, pogs, t-shirts, hats, party favors, costumes, fast food, giveaways, a board game, and a video game for the SNES and Sega Genesis, which is a very hard video game. I remember playing that. Oh my god, pogs, man. I forgot about pogs. Ah, oh, man. You can't forget just, about the, pogs. The 90s are just coming roaring back in my head right now. <laughs> I had so many pogs. I had but I didn't uh, have any Tick pogs. I used to, I had one of the Pog makers and I would go through like, um, magazines, like, yeah, like Nickelodeon magazine and you, you, um, kind of put whatever picture you want through the slot and then you press down and it (laughs) sticks the, the page to like a sticky Pog shape thing. And then you have a Pog with whatever you want. I had a lot of Alex Mack Pogs because she was really cute. Her secret world and all. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see her secret world. Oh, wow. (laughs) During its original run, The Tick was nominated for several Emmys as well as Annie Awards, two of which it won. In March 2008, Wizard Magazine ranked The Tick number 16 on its top 100 greatest cartoons. And in January 2009, IGN ranked The Tick number 6 on its top 100 animated series list. Wow. So this is pretty, like, well-regarded. Yeah, like, The Tick is a pretty well-known cartoon. And honestly, if you were a kid our age, then you probably would have seen it at some point in your life. One would assume. You would assume. Finally, two live-action Tick series have been released to date, one being the 2001 iteration starring Patrick Warburton, which lasted only nine episodes, and the other being the Amazon series that just debuted this year, 2016, for anybody listening in the future or the past, starring Peter Serafinowicz, that also has an appearance by The Terror, whom we will discuss more in the second episode we watched for today's show. Oh, they brought The Terror into the live-action? That's cool. Yeah, yeah, the very first episode, well, the only episode so far, the pilot. I was going to say, how many episodes are there? Because I've only seen one on IMDb. Yeah, it's a pilot. It was like one of these things where it was a pilot competing with two other pilots to see which got brought into Amazon Prime. Uh, One of the pilots was a Jean-Claude Van Damme. I think it was called a Jean-Claude Van Johnson or something. Yeah, I just saw that on IMDb's like main page. Yeah, and then I can't remember what the other one was it was competing against. But hopefully Tick wins out because I did watch it and I enjoyed it. How's it compared to the cartoon? Oh, um, watching the first episode of The Tick over again, cartoon-wise, there's a lot of tie-ins that it has to that. It's a very different type of show, but there's still the kind of absurd humor, kind of a little bit more action to it. Is the the live-action Tick um, 
guy like just as dumb as the cartoon guy yeah i would say so i mean maybe not as over the top but he's still like on a different wavelength altogether okay fair enough yeah originally the tick had come from uh in the comics anyway he comes from a mental institution and like he escaped it and then goes to protect the city whereas in this one well Uh we'll talk about it when we get there to the first episode do you have any memories of this show chris um so embarrassing i do know of it i knew of it i never watched it never watched it there's like there's shame i don't know what it was there's just some cartoons that i remember seeing commercials for and this one was part of it where it just seemed a little over the top and i was just kind of like eh, like it seems silly and i had all these other cartoons i was really into and just didn't make time to watch it there's probably like another cartoon on another channel i was watching instead so mm. that's my excuse. It's no excuse. And I'm very ashamed of you. But I never even knew that it was actually from a comic. Like I had no idea that there was a comic until you literally just told me. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I knew about the live action <laughs> shows like both of them. Didn't know there was a comic. A comic created by a college kid. So right. that's awesome. Good job, college kid. Right. Well, I remember being a big fan of The Tick when I was a kid. So much so, like, I would say that it may have been one of my favorites as a child. Uh, Something about the intentional ridiculousness of it really appealed to me then. And after watching it again, I mean, I can say that may be even more true now. As the older I get, the more I can appreciate the, the that type of humor still mixed with some. I mean, there's some intelligence to it even in its absurdity, and I just like that about it. Nice. But yeah, let's jump into the three episodes we watched for today's show. Very first episode, highest rated episode, and finally, a random listener chosen episode. Order may vary depending on how these episodes fall chronologically, but of course we have to start with the very first episode, being The Tick versus The Idea Men, Season 1, Episode 1, where The Tick arrives in the city, and shortly after meeting Arthur, his sidekick-to-be, is called into action to foil the evil plans of The Idea Men. Yeah, that happens. Yep, those are all things that do happen. Yeah, those are things. So he starts out, like, just to go back to what I was saying about him being in a mental institution in the comics, he starts out here at a a convention for the National Super Institute, which basically determines which city superheroes or superheroes to be will be protecting through some sort of, like, a random selection. I like this because it's like a convention going on in, like, Reno, and it reminds me of almost like a little crappy beauty pageant thing, but it's a pageant for people, like being superheroes like you said to determine where they get to go and i just i thought the whole idea of that is just hilarious and and there's a panel of judges and all kinds of stuff (laughs) and he he wheels in this big monstrosity of like a torture device to like prove how tough he is and stuff and he gets in it and it just totally backfires like it has all these like saws and just all kinds of weapons on it. But the only thing that it does is hits him in the head with a hammer and then drops a bomb on his head. And it explodes. Yeah. And the bomb explodes and blows up the whole room, basically. So the judges are just, I mean, they just select the city and he off he goes. Yeah, that that is the city. The city! Yeah, the city is literally called The City. And The Tick is an interesting character because he is invulnerable. He's basically Superman without flight. Because or presumably brains. or brains. Yeah, he can't really be hurt. I mean, he can be hurt because uh, he feels things, but he can't be like 
killed or destroyed or anything, it seems like, as the invulnerability would suggest. But he's constantly just spouting off phrases of some sort or yeah. uh, morals that, that you should take from this, even if they're completely unrelated to what just happened. One of my favorite things that he said at first was uh, he's going to pound two-fisted justice into the mouths of criminals. (laughs) He's got the best one-liners. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. And then we get to see the introduction to Arthur, who I absolutely love this. But she's just an accountant. He's not with the tick yet. He's an accountant at work at his law firm, but he's wearing the moth suit, but without the wings. So he just looks like a rabbit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And like... He, uh, his boss comes up and is like basically telling him he's fired for wearing his bunny outfit. <laughs> it's just, we, it just yeah, cracks me up that he's just wearing it to work. Yeah, he's just wearing it to work. Nothing's wrong with the work that he's doing. He's just, his boss says he's just being a distraction to the other employees. And he's creeping everyone out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was hilarious. And I, and I don't know what the reason for it was, but in the background, through the window, you can see the uh, the chameleon guy. He starts like crawling up the the glass window. Oh yeah, Kate and, chameleon. Yeah, and then it's just you know they don't do anything else with that. At, at least not at the time. Yeah, there are all sorts of superheroes in this show. Oh, we get to see so many. It's cool. Like some of the popular ones are uh, Deflator Mouse, who is basically Batman, but a mouse. Well, I mean, the reason they call it that is because Deflator Mouse, I think it's French, and in French that would be the bat, basically. I, I think it's German. Oh, German? Yeah, it could be that. And, and it, it is a type of, like, um, I'm pretty sure it, it, it's supposed to be a type of, like, mouse or squirrel, like a flying, like, I think it's, like, some sort of, like, flying creature like that. Like, you know, it can hop from tree to tree, but it gets like little wing things when it opens its arms up. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it, I guess it depends on the translation. It's either yeah. supposed to be a bat or a squirrel or a flying mouse or something. I don't know. Yeah, something but like that. He's just very um he's kind of a wuss and really, he really is, but he's so uh, funny. Kind of a pansy more than anything. <laughs> oh, um, I haven't heard that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> pansy. Sewer Urchin is essentially Dustin Hoffman from Rain Man, <laughs> but he's a knockoff of Aquaman. Right. In the in well, the old Aquaman, the old perception of Aquaman where he's he he only seems useful when he's in the sewers. Right. Like Aquaman only seems useful when he's near the water. Yeah. Previous Aquaman anyway. Then we have American Maid, who is basically a mix between Captain America and Wonder Woman. She's yeah. probably the she's really most actually heroic one of the group yeah she's pretty ba honestly like she kicks some butt like yeah, in yeah. multiple episodes with her heels she's able to throw those and those yeah, are basically projectiles we also could see a couple other random heroes like bipolar bear <laughs> oh, who yeah. like starts to get out of bed to like go save the world but then he's like but i no, i can't go outside and, and just gets back in bed and yeah man i was really sad because I, I've been working on some like another project and thought I came up with the name Bipolar Bear. And then I saw this and I was like, no, because <laughs> I really wanted to use that for something else. I might still, but whatever. We also got the lemming who jumps off of a roof and then yeah. the human bullet, which was my favorite because they oh, did a great callback joke with this one later on. The human bullet is great because it's I mean, you see him throughout the series, but yeah. in the first episode, he essentially has a portion where he's blasted off 
what does he say? Like, fire me, boy, or yeah, something? Yeah, he jumps like, in this cannon and has, I'm guessing it's supposed to be his son, like, run out and light this cannon. And he's like, fire me, boy! And then he lights yeah. it and just shoots off into the air. He's just flying through the air through the entirety of the episode. What they're firing towards, what all these heroes are going towards, is these idea men. They're in suits and steel helmets, and they look cool enough, but in those helmets, you can't understand what they're saying at all. Like, <laughs> yeah. nobody can. They're just mumbling. Yeah, it's just like... The tick seems to understand them, though, a little bit. Right. They had a bomb planted at this dam, and they said that they were trying to say they would blow it up unless the mayor gave over, like, so much money. But, like, the news crews are trying to record them, and no one can understand them. So one of them shoves the other one out of the way and just has a sign that says it on there because no one can hear them. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, also, there's uh, one of the other heroes is Big Shot, who's basically a Punisher. Oh, knockoff. yes. I love and- Big Shot. <laughs> he was my favorite. He's, he's hilarious. I mean, he's got so many giant guns on him and is it, yeah, a he's baby so neck sensitive. and everything. He's But, yeah, he's very <laughs> sensitive. <laughs> I love, he just... He's shooting up everything, and then I don't oh, remember. Oh, he shoots exact- it all up to look like a skull, like yeah, his yeah. symbol. <laughs> um, and then at, at one point, he gets to the dam, and he's like shooting everything. And I don't remember exactly what stops him, but then he starts crying, and he's like, "Why don't you love me, mom?" Yeah, he runs out of ammo. Oh, that's and- it. That's it. <laughs> and then, yeah, why didn't you love me, mom? He just starts crying. <laughs> Well, um, he meets Arthur before he ends up heading to the dam because he he jumps off of a roof, lands right in front of Arthur, who just got fired and is just walking down the street. And Arthur's like, oh, a superhero. And then the tick um, basically says, hey, you're going to be my sidekick kind of thing. They go back to Arthur's apartment and the tick thinks everything is going to be some sort of hidden, like there's going to be a hidden layer inside there. So he's like grabbing things and pulling on them, thinking he'll uncover like the the headquarters, but he's just breaking everything, which that cracked me up. I thought that was really good. That was a good gag. Yeah, that's actually something that carries over into the live action series, the current one anyway. Really? That's awesome. Is him looking for a secret passageway and breaking Arthur's apartment. <laughs> that's yeah. cool. So like when they get to the dam, they they get through, they find the bomb and the take being the, the big like Neanderthal he is tries to defuse it by just punching through it <laughs> and it does not stop. Yeah. And then he's just walking around with it stuck on his arm. And eventually he has to just run off with it to save the city. He yeah, he he crawl, he climbs on top of the dam um, trying to get the, the bomb as far away as he could. So it blows up on top of the dam instead of inside and doesn't damage the dam, but it blows up the blimp that the idea men are trying to escape in, which like he didn't even mean to, but like he looked like this giant hero for blowing <laughs> this thing up and, and stopping all of them, which is great. And then at the very end, well, first he says uh, his... His moral of the story thing is like, may evil beware and may good dress warmly and eat plenty of fresh vegetables. Right. <laughs> like that's it. That's his moral. That's what you take from the story. And then we get to see at the very, very end, the human bullet finally, like as the credits are about to come in, <laughs> the human bullet finally comes into view and just hits the dam. And falls. <laughs> yeah, it goes headfirst into the dam and falls in the water. And then it's like, I'm okay. I, I love that. I love that that. 
that random callback just all of a sudden. Yeah. And the, the noise it makes is just like, dink. yeah that's a gag the the setup was the entire episode and yeah i finally get to see the the payoff i love when shows do that that's so good hilarious so the second episode we watched for today's show was the tick versus arthur's bank account and this was chosen by this was chosen by mark okay so mark chose this one for us thank you mark thanks mark the terror meets the tick for the first time and tries to take over the city yeah that does happen too Mm-hmm. This is the one where the tick actually, or where the terror actually comes into play. And the terror is like a um, an old supervillain who had been around for years and years and years. He was, He's like a classic supervillain. Yeah, he was friends with uh, Joseph Stalin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, not not Joseph Stalin. It was a uh, Stalingrad or something. Well, he like, he, was he was friends a graduate. With, he was friends with Stalin. But oh, then yeah, he yeah, ends yeah. up getting Stalingrad, who he thinks is still Stalin. Um, <laughs> I, I love how this opens. It's just, it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with the episode overall, but the opening was just really funny where you see this father and son fishing on a lake and all of a sudden the water starts getting really rough. And it's this big like underwater like base that's coming out kind of like um, from the old Super Friends. Oh, it, it was like the old Legion of Doom kind the of Legion base of Doom, sort of yeah. thing. It comes out of the water and it's like underneath this boat and going up in the air. And the father's just still fishing. And he's like, water's getting choppy. And just <laughs> the son's like freaking out and it, it gets away from him and just kind of it crawls off into the distance. And the little kid's like, Dad, did you see that? And he's like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> like it was just such a silly little joke that had no consequence to the show, but I loved it. That was, yeah, that was the introduction to the terror coming back. In his spider tank. Yeah. And he had been around since 1903. And uh, we, we actually get to see him punching uh, President Roosevelt at yeah. one point. Oh, and the Mount Rushmore thing. He That base goes up to Mount Rushmore and a giant like fist comes oh, out yeah. and starts punching he Roosevelt's knock, face on Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yeah and it's like... Out. It's not even like doing any damage. It's just lightly punching it. <laughs> yeah. It's <just, boop>, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so funny. So like the big thing of this episode was the tick decided he needed lots of gadgets and merchandise and the tick has no money himself. So he, yeah. he took Arthur's credit cards and has been buying tons of stuff. Like he buys a signal that looks kind of like the bat signal. But when he brings it to the mayor, the mayor's already got like four from other heroes. And he's like, they barely even work. Like, yeah, we be- have your cell phone. A, yeah, because a cloud has to be passing conveniently right as you need the symbol to right, go off. Exactly. Yeah. And he's like, we've got your cell phone number. And he's like, oh. <laughs> uh, this is also where the tick comes up with his catchphrase, too. Well, so he had, like, bought all these other gadgets and stuff, too, like, that were useless. And then, yeah, they're, like, talking. They're sitting in the living room eating cereal and talking about how they need a catchphrase. And, and the catchphrase is born because he has a spoon. Yeah, Arthur's catchphrase, when, they, when he's trying to come up with one, he's just like, not in the face, not in the face. Right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, spoon! This is- yeah, it's the origin of Spoon because it's what's in his hand. I'm surprised it didn't show up until the, the very last episode of this season. Yeah, for as synonymous as it is with the tick as his catchphrase, it right. is surprising that it went the entire season because 
This is episode 13 of the first season, which is the last episode of that season. So, yeah. yeah. And because like that's something that that's one of the few things that I know about the tick is that he says mm-hmm. spoon. And I didn't understand where it came from, but I figured that it was, you know, just been part of him the whole time. But I didn't realize that it hadn't been. This is the origin of it. I'm glad we actually saw it because it makes sense now. Right. So what we get to see is the terror and his secret base talking to the other supervillains who are with him. And we get Toonla, who is like a <laughs> some sort of alien bent on I love destroying humanity. Yeah. yeah, and he straight up says like I'm going to destroy you all, and starts laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the terrorist starts laughing too. I'm like, y- you're included in that because he's saying he'll he'll destroy all humans. I think it's a girl, Toonla. Oh, I think you're right. I think it is a girl. Uh, then we get Stalingrad or Joseph Stalin. Uh, who is the the graduate who is a Joseph Stalin imitator, man-eating cow. Who, <laughs> I love man-eating cow, too. Uh, the hu- Oh, the, my favorite one was the yeah. human ton and Handy. Handy's Handy the best. is his, it's kind of like the ventriloquist and Scarface, but Handy is just a uh, a green puppet. Just a little hand puppet, yeah. The human ton is kind of a moron, but Handy has a completely different voice, is super intelligent. And just, it cracks me up, that whole thing. That was great. Yeah, that was just a good gag. And Handy's voice was hilarious. Yeah, right off the bat, he's, like, um, undermining the terror and all kinds of stuff. Because of, like you were talking about earlier, the Tick putting all that stuff on Arthur's credit cards, he maxes them out. Then Arthur gets so furious, he gets super upset with them, so he kicks the Tick out. Yeah. And the Tick goes up to a tower and just starts singing songs about being blue. <laughs> Yeah, he does. And he does it twice in this episode, too. He just keeps singing the same song. So then Arthur's like, has to try to reason with the tick to go stop the bad guys. And But Arthur doesn't really want to talk to him himself. So he calls his sister, um, his sister Dot, and has Dot try to go talk to him. And mm-hmm. Tick's just really not listening at all. And this whole time, the terror and his cavalcade of villains are trying to destroy the city, basically. The other heroes are like trying to fight back and not doing very well. Oh, no. The other heroes are terrible. One of my one of my favorite parts is when the tick does finally come out and decides to fight back where he's fighting the human ton. And (laughs) he and Handy tells him to he's like, don't just stand there. Eat his head. So he starts chomping on Tick's head, trying to eat him. And then Handy's talking at the same time. And he's just like, he's eating. I'm speaking. He's eating. I'm speaking. How do we do it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like he was doing a ventriloquist show thing. <laughs> right. That was really good. Arthur actually comes to the rescue and uh, takes Handy off of his off of Human Ton's hand and just starts stomping on it. And he faints. <laughs> yeah. And Arthur just, yeah, he destroys that puppet. Like one of the eyeballs pop off and just keeps stomping on it. And like, he's so mad. He just keeps going and going and going. Like the fight is over. All the other bad guys are defeated. And Arthur's just still stomping on this hand puppet. (laughs) Yeah. So good. It, It almost seems like a moment where if it were real heroes or if it were a real enemy, they they would be like, stop, stop. He's had enough. He's had enough. Right. Uh, The moral to this story, according to the tick, was on justice and on friendship, there is no price, but there are established credit limits. That much is true because he uh, reached (laughs) his. 
exactly. Well, not his. He reached Arthur's credit limits for sure. Yeah. That brings us to the last episode we watched for today's show, The Little Wooden Boy and the Belly of Love, Season 2, Episode 1, which is the highest rated episode, where Arthur falls for a new flying girl, Carmelita, so the tick carves himself a new sidekick. In the meantime, the city is in the path of a giant whale, Blowhole, who is running across the country. <laughs> I was like, so this episode starts with the Blowhole, like, um, <laughs> Blowhole coming out of the ocean, and he's wearing suspenders. Like, it's a big sperm whale. Yeah, he, he's a big sperm whale in overalls. Yeah, and he's just running. <laughs> There's really no explanation. We don't know what he's doing, and they just kind of keep leaving it. And he just, every once in a while through the episode, they'll cut back and he's still running. And then it just goes back to the rest of the stuff in the episode. It's just constant. And I didn't understand what they were doing with it. <laughs> it it's in a way they tie it into kind of a Pinocchio story. Yeah. Yeah, they really I mean, do. Unnecessarily. It's almost like they just throw him in there just to force that. But it's still yeah. hilarious seeing him just Going back to him, getting the news coverage and stuff as he's just running across the country. It's almost like a Forrest Gump, too. Yeah, really, he just keeps going and going and going and going and going and going. Yep. Not stopping, not talking to anybody, just running. Just running. And uh, we also get to see one of the villains who comes in, and this is just a really minor villain, a red herring, the angry red <laughs> herring, who uh, is a fish with machine gun eyes, and he, <laughs> he Vaselines himself down. So that he's super slippery. <laughs> right. Which is kind of smart in a way. <laughs> yeah. But it'd be hard to pick anything up, I think. Probably. Or or like get in a getaway vehicle. You just slide right off the seat. But yeah, like he's in a big red fish suit. And he has these big machine guns that come out for the eyes. And when the tick gets them, I love how like the tick like opens the mouth. And he's just looking down inside the costume and like yelling to the guy. Yeah. And the guy's just like, what? I'm like, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> don't stop yelling stop yelling and this whole time a woman in a moss suit is flying over and kind of watching their battle right and we come to find out that that is carmelita who is looking all over the world for arthur because she does have a similar suit to his which we later find out was made by her father both of those suits yeah it was a pair and they were made that way for a very specific reason yet we find out after we see her watching the tick and Arthur, and she starts heading over to him. We find out there's a group of Swiss villains, like literally they are Swiss, and their their weapons are giant Swiss army knives that just have all kinds of random gear. Yeah, and and, and but they're also being watched by Deflator Mouse. <laughs> so like everybody's just like spying on each other in this episode. It's pretty good. And De Deflator Mouse tries to like tries to attack them, but they beat him up. And he gets really scared of the Swiss, and he's like <laughs> yeah. reporting back to the other superheroes, like the Swiss are invading America, and they're just like, no, the Swiss are neutral. Like, calm down. It's just yeah, silly stuff. Yeah, and eventually the Swiss, they they tell them when they do confront them, it's like we don't stand for our whole country. Right, this, we're just basically we're villains. villains. We're yeah. Swiss villains. Yeah, I like that. I also love that their battle cry is someone yodeling. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, you never really see them on screen when you hear it, which I really like. It's, it's like, that tells you that they're coming. So you just hear, like, a yodel, like, echo off in the distance <laughs> right before they attack. 
And that oh, was hilarious. Like, yeah. that was a great joke. There's a couple shots of the moon as you're passing by, and it has a big CHA in it. And that's from a previous episode where Chairface Chippendale tries to laser his name into the moon <laughs> and only gets that far before <laughs> the tick it. stops him. So yeah. the moon just says cha. Yeah, so it's just a cool callback to that episode. I was wondering about that because I didn't know why that was there. So, yeah, that makes some sense now. I figured it was something like that, but I wasn't for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure there's other things that they do that with, too. I'm not, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Maybe not in this episode or anything, but I bet they have a lot of continuity just in there. About certain things that are either destroyed or set up in a certain way or whatever. Right. In the meantime, Arthur is falling completely in love for Carmelita and spending a lot of time with her, they go on a date. The Tick's getting super jealous. Because Arthur is skipping hobby night. <laughs> <laughs> they want, he wanted to make macaroni duck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Tick starts kind of losing it because he doesn't have his sidekick. He starts going crazy. And he's um, on hobby night. He's whittling a piece of wood. Then all of a sudden he starts talking about how he sees a face in the wood and he's like, oh, let's set you free, little wooden boy. (laughs) And he starts like whittling it some more and you just see him like constructing something. And it ends up just being like he drew a face, like just eyes and a mouth on the piece of wood. And he like nailed some really like crappy looking splinters of wood to it to make it look like arms and legs yeah (laughs) it looks so terrible it's great just because of all the work it looks like he's putting into it and it literally is just like that same plank with a face (laughs) drawn on it it looks like like um one of the arms like there's a chunk missing yeah like he broke it when he was trying to hammer it or something (laughs) oh my god yeah it's so pathetic looking but he thinks that that is now his sidekick like he treats it like his sidekick and he carries it around with him everywhere he goes (laughs) yeah and he continues talking to it yeah he just constantly talks to it now and when we do see oh actually blowhole comes in again well he comes in throughout this the episode yeah like five times yeah he comes in again to one of the newscasts where they're calling it they're calling the event blowhole 1995 <laughs> right he's done and, this before apparently like 10 years yeah, ago or something right so he's back again and one of the reporters in trying to interview him gets her microphone wrapped around him and it kind of wraps her to him. Yeah. And instead of stopping or anything, he just keeps going. I didn't think about it till now, but that was totally a callback to Moby Dick where, you know, at the end, Ahab gets wrapped to the the actual whale because of the harpoon line. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. So in this case, it was the news reporter was stuck <laughs> on him and she's still asking him questions like um, she's like, blowhole, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? <laughs> and he just keeps running yeah and she's still asking him questions as he's running while she's not attached to anything but him yeah that was kind of in the middle of the episode and like the next couple times it cuts to him and you see him before it cuts back to what the tick's doing like she's still just asking him questions as he's running and he's not stopping (laughs) there is a battle finally between the swiss and all of the heroes tick comes in little wooden boy with him and he throws little wooden boy at the the female Swiss person, and she's starting to have like a fight with it, like she's trying to pull <laughs> right, it off her yeah, face. Yeah, I stuff. like that. Yeah. Also, so the whole reason the Swiss are there, they're following Carmelita because her father. Crap, I don't remember what the plans were for. Do you remember, like the the book and then the key? I don't remember what they were for though. 
They were to, I think, just to unlock some of the other secrets that were in his book. I can't remember what they were exactly. Yeah, I just don't remember what was in the book. I think it was just some of his devices that he built just to unlock okay, his formulas. Right. So Carmelita's dad was some sort of like genius scientist, inventor kind of guy, obviously, because he made those suits. Um, and he had a, a book that the Swiss were after and Carmelita had the book. So they've been following her and apparently an Arthur's suit was the key to unlocking the rest of the secrets within that book. So they needed both. So they, they do capture them and they make Arthur start stripping down starting with his pants. And once he gets his pants off, like that's when they get interrupted by, I think actually American made first flies in there on like a cart and like oh, yeah yeah slams into somebody and goes through the next room and then everyone else comes in and they're getting like beat up themselves instead of the swiss getting beat up then american maid comes back out a minute later like ah and then gets <laughs> trapped in a net because you think it's gonna be this like awesome moment and she's gonna save the day and then she just gets stuck <laughs> And then, the, yeah, the tick comes in and... Yeah, it basically just shows kind of the ineptitude of the rest of the heroes in the city. Right. And it, what's more sad is the fact that the tick being as off kilter as he is, is generally the one who saves the day just by his pure strength and dumb luck, I guess, most right. of the time. Yeah, exactly. And, in this one, and uh, in trying to get the book back and the rest of his clothes, Arthur is chasing down one of the Swiss with uh, some tweezers from one of the big <laughs> yeah. knives that they have. Uh, he gets it back. He's able to do that because he he pinches the the Swiss's nose until he just drops the book. <laughs> and Carmelita comes up to him, but then at that moment, blowhole is starting to come that way. <laughs> While they're up in the air, the tick sees them, so he jumps up to try to rescue them, and all of them get engulfed into Blowhole's mouth. And inside is her dad. Yeah, which is where he's been all this time. Yeah, for 10 years, he's just been sitting there in a chair, and he's like, oh, hi. And then they're like trying to figure out how to get out of there, and and they don't know how how to get out. So what they said was they're like, we need some wood to burn because I think that's what happens with Pinocchio, right? Like in that story, he he like burns some wood and then the whale like shoots him out. Yeah, I think so. Uh, And yeah, this is what happens here, too. Except Tick has to light little wooden boy on fire. It's <laughs> well, the only thing they have. Well, at first when they're like, we need wood, he's just like, hmm, where can we find some wood? <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, not considering burning his new sidekick but that's what they end up doing and they get blown right out of the whale <laughs> uh that was a good episode i can see why that was the the favorite episode all around yeah like i went to multiple sources to see and pretty much all over that's everyone's favorite i saw that as well and there wasn't really a moral to this one it was just uh the tick kind of at the end saying where were we all trapped in the belly of love <laughs> oh god which is how it got its name the episode's name right. i guess Exactly. One more thing that I forgot to point out, uh, and this kind of is in a couple of the episodes, there's a diner there that's called Ben's Diner. Of course, after the the creator of the tick, Ben Edlund, but the diner is like a, a kind of a, a replica of Edward Hopper's Nighthawks painting. I mean, you know, you oh, know the painting if yeah, you saw it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. The, where they're just sitting at the the bar in the diner and stuff, and you're yeah, you're exactly. viewing it from the outside, looking through right. the window. You're seeing everybody's back. Yeah, it's yeah. a famous painting. So it was cool that they tied that in there. 
Indeed. Indubitably. Well, Chris, let's craft our own little wooden sidekicks in honor of our inner kids and see what they thought of The Tick. This cartoon was so cool because there were superheroes everywhere and some of them were big and tough, but some of them were silly, but it made me want to be a superhero too, even though bad guys are usually way better. So I give this cartoon four and a half bowls of spoon flakes out of five, and now I must put on my costume as the lice with the ability to gross out your friends, shave your head, and make your mom wash your scalp with that nasty shampoo. Bye! But, but I'm a real boy. Maybe one day, Pinocchio Joe. But for now, let's focus on the show. Uh, okay. Well, in a sea of superhero cartoons that take themselves too seriously, the tick stands out and shines for exactly the opposite reason. Arthur plays a very relatable straight man, many of the side characters are perfect comical homages to pop culture figures, and the villains are both memorable and hilarious in their own rights, which all fit right in with the tick's over-the-top antics. Overall, this show definitely deserves five big bowls with a spoonful of Justice cereal out of five from me. Go watch it! Fork! Sorry, trying to work out my own battle cry. Butter knife! Uh, so proud of my little wooden buddy. Hopefully the magical bug I sent to act as his conscience, Timothy Termite, will serve him well in his adventure to boyhood. I foresee nothing going wrong with this situation. Nope, should be a perfect match. Yeah, my uh, persona of the lice was short-lived because you'd be surprised how many lice there are out there. Feels like everybody's got lice. <laughs> So do you have any final thoughts about The Tick? I mean, nothing really that I haven't said already. The Tick was such a great show. I still really like it. And I think I'm going to watch since it was only three seasons. I think I'm going to watch the whole thing over again. I've seen it all before, but I enjoyed the jokes then. And I enjoyed them when we watched them again. It was fun and it was just ridiculous. And that I think there's there's a charm to it. So please just go check it out if you haven't already. Yeah, I went into this not knowing if I was going to like it or not. Um, Like I said, some of those cartoons from that era that seemed a little over the top were something that I kind of strayed away from. Or I just had other cartoons that I was watching at the time and just assumed that they were better. So I never really gave it the time of day. And now I really wish I would have because I think this is something I would have really enjoyed, especially with the large assortment of random superheroes and villains that are really goofy and that... They poke fun of the whole genre really well. I don't know if I would seek out watching the rest of it myself, but you never know. I mean, there's there's a lot of things I did like about it. So and it did make me laugh. So we'll just have to see. So thank you, Kelsey and Mark, for recommending this, both of you. Uh, It was something I had wanted to watch eventually anyway. So this was a perfect excuse to do it. Yeah, you had been talking about this for months. Probably so, since we first started this yeah, show, I was talking like, about it for a long we time. have to do the tick one day. Yeah. And yeah. finally, we've gotten to. Finally. <laughs> well, listeners, it looks like our milk supply has now run dry, so it's time for us to say goodbye. And next week, we'll be watching... Ruby! Submitted by Alicia during San Diego Comic-Con in, like, June or something. Sorry. Never heard of it, so that should be interesting. Yeah, it's done by Rooster Teeth. So that'll oh. be that'll be cool. I like Rooster Teeth. You know what? They're fun. That's one of those things where I never really got into. I'd heard that name, but I, I could tell you nothing about it you, at you, all. You don't know Rooster Teeth at all? Nope. It'll oh be your God. chance to educate me. Yeah, I'll, all I know is Red vs. Blue, man. I don't. I haven't watched any of the other stuff, but Red vs. Blue is the funniest thing ever. Oh, I just gosh. know that's a Halo thing. Yeah, that's it's, it. Oh, it's so good. Um, Alicia is a buddy of ours, and, and she's fantastic. 
So thank you, Alicia, for recommending this to us. She cosplayed as a character from Ruby um, during Comic-Con. Oh, so, wow. So it was really cool. Okay. Well, then all the more reason to watch it. I like Alicia, so maybe I'll like the show. I Yay. Hope so. But once again, I'm Joseph. And I'm the light. I mean, <clears throat> I'm Chris. <laughs> and we'll see you next Saturday. Spoon! Fork! Can we... How about spork? On, on a count of three, let's do it at the same time. One, two, three. Spork! Presented by NerdSloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com. 